Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hokey Hangover Podcast. I am Andrew Alex from here over at ESPN Blacksburg. I am joined today by half of the usual suspects. Mr. Michael McDaniel cannot make it. So for this evening's rendition of Hokey Hangover, it's just me and the one and only 757 Zone, Ricky LeBlue. Ricky, what's up, dude? Uh, long day at work. It's absolutely beautiful out here, though, in Virginia Beach. I will say it's funny that last week I couldn't make it for the preview pod of BC, and now Mikey can't make it for this pod, which is uh, starting to become a bit suspicious. This whole thing, uh, you know, having a job, it seems like a real downer. It's <laughs> I work on radio, right? Hey, folks, just wanted to let you know that the Hokey Hangover podcast simply wouldn't be possible without our good friends over at Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg is the pharmacy you want to go to if you actually want a pharmacy that cares about you as a person. If you want a pharmacy that treats you as a neighbor rather than a number and is run by a guy that tore up pictures of Matt Ryan in the stands at Lane Stadium <laughs> after every Virginia Tech score, look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg, Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. Well, Ricky, you know, normally it seems like Wake Forest is a team historically that Virginia Tech usually should be able to beat. Now, we all remember 2014, the great, uh, what's that scandal called? What's, what's the I don't know what name? you're talking about. I have, I have no recollection of the incident in question. <laughs> sure you don't. All right. <laughs> That was before Dave Clawson really turned this program around. I believe that was Dave Clawson's first year. Since then, Clawson has brought the Wake Forest Demon Deacons to four consecutive bowl games. He is the first coach in Wake Forest history to lead the Deeks to four consecutive bowl games. This is a team with not a lot of football history, but Clawson has been able to recruit very well, especially at skill positions and using his philosophy of red shirt, pretty much everyone get people into that red shirt senior year and be able to use those developed experienced players to pull away games over against teams with maybe a little bit higher of a recruiting profile, a little bit more storied of a football program and football history. Looking at Clawson's tenure, how, how do you evaluate the job that he's done at Wake Forest, what what do you think has made him so successful? Well, f for starters, that Wake job sucks. Like, just all of the institutional problems that you have to deal with 
recruiting at Wake Forest, coaching at Wake Forest. It's absolutely brutal. I mean, you're stuck in a division with Clemson and Florida State, so you have to play them every year. Um, obviously, you, you, you get the benefit of not having to play Miami or Virginia Tech very often, but uh, obviously Wake Forest would much rather be in the Coastal, right? So that's part of it. Um, the other part of it is that your recruiting footprint is so tiny because you're in the middle of a recruiting hotbed in North Carolina. So you've got North Carolina fighting for kids against you. You've got NC state, you've got Virginia tech, you've got Penn state, you've got Georgia, you've got Florida, Alabama, South Carolina, um, all of these massive schools with notable reputable and historical historically good football programs are recruiting your backyard and it's it's almost impossible that anyone is going to succeed for a sustainable basis at wake forest but dave clausen has really started to turn things around and andrew i think you hit the nail on the head the player development has been pretty solid at at Wake Forest because um, they don't recruit all that well. And they are kind of fighting, you know, that they're, they're bringing knives to gunfights here. Right. So they're, 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 they're at a disadvantage and Clawson has been able to kind of bring this up-tempo offense to almost equalize uh, the situation. Um, he's had two eight win seasons in, in three years um, before this year. Uh, losing Jamie Newman definitely made a difference because uh, we all know how dynamic Jamie Newman was for much of last season. But um, overall, I think Clawson's done a pretty good job, and he's 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 made Wake Forest a hard out now. Like Wake isn't a doormat, so um, you you think doormat in the in the Atlantic right now? Syracuse obviously comes to mind, but Wake was in that position not too long ago wake's been kind of a doormat in the acc for a good portion of their of their time um and outside of basketball and and even lately wake hasn't added much to kind of the the overall overarching success of the conference but i think i still think dave clausen's done a pretty good job there and given all of the institutional barriers when it comes to coaching it at wake forest um it's hard to not give him at least some mild credit for what he's done, even if he hasn't turned out a super impressive season. I got to admit, Ricky, when I heard Jamie Newman had transferred to Georgia and then later that Sage Surratt was going to opt out, my thought process was, yeah, this might be the year that Wake goes back to being a doormat. Maybe Dave Clawson yeah. missed an opportunity if he could have potentially taken another job. But quite frankly, so far – the Demon Deacons ha have been relatively impressive, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And that starts with their quarterback, Sam Hartman. You guys might remember Sam Hartman if you followed Wake Forest two seasons ago. He started as a true freshman, but his sophomore year with the emergence of Newman, he ultimately ended up taking a red shirt year to preserve his eligibility. This year, Hartman is back and he's definitely improved upon his performance from two years ago completing 62% of his passes, hasn't thrown an interception yet. Now only three touchdowns in that time, but his passer rating is towards the top of the ACC. He's been one of the more efficient quarterbacks in the conference. Hartman is 
undersized. You watch him play. Kid's got a lot of moxie. He can definitely read the defense and, and, and is sort of mobile, but he's got a big arm. He, he, he's a gunslinger in the same way that we could see Sam Howell being a gunslinger. Just obviously, I would say not as talented. You look at Hartman and he, he's a guy that is putting Wake Forest in a position to win football games. And a lot of that is with the deep ball, but it, it's primarily with good decision making. H- how have you evaluated this kid so far? Yeah, he's 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 getting the offense down the field, but they're not able to consistently score using him as the primary weapon. So you, you mentioned he's only thrown three touchdowns. Um, Wake Forest top two running backs have rushed for eleven combined. So this is something adage that we hear sometimes with with tech is oh you you pass to score but you run to win well that's kind of not what wake force is doing if you look at the statistical numbers they are uh, they are moving the ball more through the air than they are on the ground but when they're getting into the red zone they're relying on the running game and they've got two pretty good backs in kenneth walker and christian beale smith um but hartman he's not a dynamic player um but he's pu- he's putting the ball where it needs to go, and given kind of his limitations as as a player, that's kind of what Dave Clawson needs him to do. Um, this offense is kind of limited; they don't have the weapons like Sage Surratt or Greg Dortch or guys like that that t- you know people might remember. But um, Wake is Wake is kind of in that rebuilding mode where they, they've got to kind of restock some of those tools that they had in the last couple of seasons that made their offense so damn impressive. And I know we all remember at one point we were talking about Wake Forest as making a legitimate uh, threat to Clemson for the for the ACC Atlantic. And obviously that did not come to fruition. But um, this offense is kind of weird it, because Wake we're so used to Wake throwing the ball around and and just chucking the rock 50 times a game. But it seems like when they get into the red zone, they're really having to rely on the run game. Um, And that's interesting because a lot of times when people get into the red zone, they start throwing the ball around because they're trying to create space. So I'm really curious to see if this Virginia tech defense can maybe bait Hartman into his first interception. Um, Getting Jermaine Waller back would be a huge plus for that, obviously. Uh, if Divine Diablo can stay healthy and, and continue playing, he makes a big a big difference. Um, and obviously, Devin Taylor, if he can continue to show what he showed in the BC game at free safety, I think he makes a difference as well. So this could be a get-right game for the Tech defense. I don't think that's going to be the case. I still think they're going to give up some points and some yards. But this Wake Forest offense isn't necessarily as explosive as people might remember from the last year or two. I think that Wake Forest is certainly, we've talked about balanced teams and the advantage of being a balanced team a lot. You know, when we discussed how North Carolina was so successful and ultimately what kind of forced Boston College after the couple of fumbles when they went away from the run to become one dimensional and also ultimately forced Djokovic to make mistakes. Wake Forest is certainly balanced to a degree they've had a trouble at times of putting the ball in the end zone through the air Hartman though he's also balanced between checkdowns and deep balls 
They got two really big wide receivers. I believe one is 6'2", and the other being 6'5", by the names of Donovan Green and A.T. Perry. Those are big jump ball guys who Hartman will attack down the field. Last week, we mentioned with Zay Flowers, the extremely talented wide receiver for Boston College, and his potential as a deep play threat. After the UNC game, we said, okay, we saw Brown do it against us in the UNC game. We can't let Flowers do it to us now. And Virginia Tech was largely successful. With these two big bodies deep downfield, trying to make those big plays, do you have faith in this defensive backfield now? Assuming that Waller's back, assuming, and you know, it's hard to assume these days, but assuming this is majority full strength, do you have faith in these guys to be able to shut those guys down, limit the big plays? Well, it's funny. You mentioned uh, Perry and, and Green, but Jaquari Roberson's actually the leading receiver on this team, right? So the two guys that, that Sam Hartman's chucking the ball to downfield aren't even leading the team in catches. Uh, so this is kind of a balanced uh, wake passing game where they're, they're moving the ball around to different guys and they're hitting different targets and they're not just relying on one or two guys to get the ball downfield. So this is going to test Virginia Tech's depth in the secondary. I do think that they can hold up and play, I guess, reasonably well. I, I don't think they're going to get absolutely bullied back there. And I don't think they're going to get bullied up front either. But I do think that just based upon what we've seen from this Tech defense, I still think Wake can put up 25 to 30 points. Um Pretty, I think that's pretty likely still. So this this offense for the Hokies is going to have to continue their production that they've that they've put out over the over the season thus far if they're going to want to win this game because I just don't have enough faith in the Virginia Tech defense to go out there and and allow 14 points or or 10 points. I just don't see it happening right now. And given what we're seeing on the schedule for the Hokies, I don't think that that could happen really at any point throughout the season barring some significant change on the defense. You mentioned Roberson, and, and that kind of comes down to the balance. He might not necessarily be the big play downfield guy, but yeah. ultimately, ultimately what Wake Forest does a lot of the time, probably their most dangerous play, is their slow-developing RPO mesh play that they have. Yeah, now, the, the, the French on Twitter who writes for the key play was he said that as soon as the BC game was over, he's talking about how it's slow mesh point week and how they use it to get cheap yards. I mean, basically all it is, from what I understand, is it's an RPO where Hartman holds onto the ball for a lot longer, sees if anything develops in the middle of the field. If, you know, and if the defensive lineman, which we'll get to in a second, can get some pressure, he kind of fires a little slant pass to Roberson, who is his number one receiver. And if not, he'll hand the ball to one of his two prolific running backs, Walker and Beal Smith, who use their vision to try to get downfield and find a hole. And ultimately in a couple of times, especially in this most previous UVA game, uh, I believe it was Walker was able to make a couple of game breaking 75 yard runs there. <laughs> so, yeah. And it, w w with all the struggles that UVA's had, their defense is still somewhat decent and wake put up 40 on those guys. So this offense is balanced enough to score and, they can they can run up the score a little bit here. So Tech's going to have to make sure that they maintain possession on the offensive side and defensively they're going to have to try and bottle this this offense up and avoid giving those giant huge plays downfield. And I think it all starts with the running game. Um, 
Wake Forest has got two guys that can do it. They're running at a semi-efficient clip. Um, that that mesh point could be a problem. We we saw how Jamie Newman exploited that that year for the Demon Deacons. Um, how how the Hokies handle that read option look is going to be critical in this game. Uh, guys like Justice uh, Justice Reed, Emmanuel Belmar, uh, Jalen Griffin, if he's healthy. Uh, Robert Wooten, who got some some real playing time in the BC game, how those guys handle that that look because they're going to see it all day basically in this game. Uh, that's going to be giant. Uh, it's going to be a huge determining factor in how Wake moves the ball downfield because you mentioned it. It's such a huge focal point of their offense because they use it to get different looks and 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 to, to use that balance that we've talked about. That slow mesh weak RPO, though, I mean, so much of it relies on the interior defensive linemen being able to win their individual matchups. And after, you know, after the UNC game, I am not necessarily incredibly confident that they can do that. Do you think? No, that- and, and you you shouldn't be. I mean, we haven't seen a guy like Jared Hewitt, who's feels like he's been in the program for 10 years. Uh, Jared just hasn't developed into that game-breaking defensive tackle like a guy like Ricky Walker or Rick, or Woody Barron uh, or Luther Matty. Like he hasn't he hasn't developed even close to those guys. And a lot of times it feels like he's just a placeholder. And Tech can't afford to have placeholders anymore at defensive tackle because the goal is no longer to win seven, eight games a year. The goal is to win nine or 10 games a year. And in order to do that, you have to have a disruptive defensive line. Uh, Deshaun Crawford has not really gotten back into the swing of things yet. Uh, He's tech's best interior lineman. We all know that, but Jared Hewitt is the most experienced guy there. He's the most trusted guy. He's a captain. He has to step up and and start producing a bit more because the team really needs him. Now, looking back at the linebackers, you know, Dax Holtfield, since he came into this program, has gotten a lot of hype, a lot of fanfare. He wasn't on the field for the majority of the game against Boston College. They're, they're showing more Tisdale now. Rayshard Ashby still getting the lion's share of playing time at that Mike position, but he simply hasn't been the player that he was last year. Now, these backers are going to be asked to do a lot here against this RPO, against this balanced offense. What more do you need to see from guys like Holly Field, Field and Ashby going forward if the Hokies want to limit big plays, attack, be at the point of attack in the run game, and, and not allow Wake Forest to get those big plays, to get that chunk yardage that can keep them in the game? Well, they got to tackle better, or tackle better for one. The tackling this season has been pretty suspect uh, really in all three levels of the defense. I will give credit to Dax. And we talked about this on the last pod when he did play and it seemed like they started to bring him in later in the game. Uh, Cause Tisdale really struggled against Boston college. Dax held up pretty well in coverage. And I think he deserves credit for that. Um, it was definitely one of, I think it was by far his best game of the year. Um, and it was one of his better performances specifically in coverage really of his career at here in Blacksburg. So Hollyfield, Tisdale, Ashby, these guys have to tackle. They've got to not get fooled with their eyes because they're going to see a lot of stuff. They're going to be gassed because Wake Forest moves at a fast pace. Um, they have to be disciplined. They've got to make sure that they're not cheating and looking where they don't need to be looking. They need to read their keys. And 
stay in position and tackle. Those are the two main things that are going to be critical for this game. Um, Cause that's really the things that have held them back thus far. And something I thought was interesting today on the, um, or maybe it was yesterday. I can't remember. We're recording this Wednesday night. So you know what day it was. If you follow tech Twitter, <laughs> Rayshard Ashby was um, being grilled by some reporters and he was talking about how he had COVID-19 um, before the season and it put him out for about two weeks and he wasn't able to lift and he wasn't able to condition anything like that. And he said that that kind of affected him at the start of the season. And that kind of makes sense because he does look like, I mean, he's always been kind of a bigger linebacker anyway, just because of his build and his physique. But he looks like he's a bit bigger than he was last year. He looks a bit slower than he was last year. Um, and part of a part of me wonders if he is still working his way into game shape. And if that's the case, then that's an encouraging sign for the Hokie because you have to expect that Ashby's going to get better right throughout the rest of the season. So um, I am I'm expecting Ashby to be better for the rest of the year. He's too good of a player not to be. He's too smart, and he tackles too well, just historically speaking. Uh, so that this really starts to go to Alan Tisdale and Dax Hollyfield and how those guys handle the outside backer position. Now, looking at the offensive side of the ball in the games that Wake Forest or the game that Wake Forest won last week, they take a 14 to three lead over UVA. You talked about how weird and multifaceted this offense is, how many looks they show you. They break off a couple of plays early on and suddenly you're down 14, nothing. That's not incredibly encouraging against a Virginia Tech team that in every single game this season, save the NC State opener where turnovers were a big factor. Virginia Tech has had a slow start offensively and fallen into uh, not always into a hole, but you know the, the first quarter has been pretty much abysmal so far this season from an offensive perspective. What does Virginia Tech need to do when they're on offense to get, you know, get things going a little faster early in this game? Well, First, let's look at the Wake defense just statistically. They're not good. <laughs> um, this unit, statistically speaking, is worse than Virginia Tech on the defensive side of the ball, and we all know how bad Virginia Tech has looked defensively over the course of the season. So there's plenty of scoring opportunities in this game. Number one, they need to establish the run quick. Um, we've talked about this multiple times now. I've alluded to it on Twitter. Virginia Tech needs to get their running backs to the football early and often. Um, Khalil Herbert needs to be a focal point on the first drive. Uh, they need to use Raheem Blackshear to spell him and and continue running the football. We saw how efficient and how lethal this running game can be against Boston College, and they need to go into this game with that same mindset, not only because it's the best way that they can move the football offensively, but it keeps Wake Forest on the sideline. And keeping Virginia Tech's defense on the sideline is the best thing that the Hokies could ask for. Um, something I thought that was interesting about this Wake UVA game is that Lindell Stone played quarterback for Virginia. Brennan Armstrong was out in that game. And I don't know if, if our listeners have been watching UVA football at all uh, while waiting for Tech games to come on, but Lindell Stone is not good. The guy is he is he's considered their best backup passer behind Brennan Armstrong, and he is wildly inefficient. He turns the ball over. Um, he's he's just not good, and they don't have any they don't have anyone else at quarterback, whether it be the freshman Armstead 
or the transfer Thompson uh, that can attack you through the air either. So that those 23 points that Wake allowed in that game uh, doesn't really carry a ton of weight with me personally, just because Virginia is pretty neutered offensively without Brennan Armstrong in the game. So this Wake defense is vulnerable. They can be attacked. I think Virginia Tech is going to use the same formula against Boston College in this game and probably for the rest of the season, and they should. They need to run it down people's throats and then take advantage of play action and misdirection in order to keep things kind of on an even keel and to keep things unbalanced for the defense. So get the ball to Herbert and Blackshear often early. Uh, rely on Hooker as well. And don't try and get too cute early on. You want to put these guys in a deficit early on because Wake Forest is not a team, at least through uh, Sam Hartman's not a guy that I can, that I have trust in coming back from a large deficit late in a game. So if you're able to get out early and, and jump on these guys, I think you can put this game away early. You know, I absolutely agree, Ricky, but talking about the balance of this offense and you say run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And I think against a Wake Forest defense that I think that I believe ranks last in the ACC and run defense, that shouldn't be a it problem. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, just if you look at the advanced numbers, like on Football Outsiders, which is a really good site to look at, this Wake defense is very, very bad. I mean, if you think Virginia Tech's defense is bad, you have not seen Wake Forest. Yeah, I mean, no kidding. They're just allowing everyone to run rough shot on them on that side of the ball. Their offense is keeping them in games, which is is a testament to that system and the skill players they have on the outside. In terms of the balance of Virginia Tech's offense, though, let's just say the running game isn't world beating this time. How much faith do you have in the Virginia Tech passing offense against these Wake Forest corners I just feel like we can't always expect to see Hendon Hooker only drop back 15 times per game. Do you think they can move the ball downfield? I do. I I trust Hooker to be an effective passer. I don't trust Hendon to be this world beater with his arm and to throw five touchdowns and start putting up uh, big 12 passing numbers. But I believe Hooker can, can move this offense if the running game is not as explosive as it has been. And and I think that that's right of you to wonder about just how much this offense can move through the air because we haven't really seen it so far through the first few games of the schedule. Uh, Trey Turner has not been worked into the offense as a staple quite yet. Um, I don't know if he's right. I think he m- still might be dealing with some sort of nagging injury. James Mitchell is, it seems like he's boom or bust. Um, And I think a lot of that is just scheme dependent because it seems like sometimes he gets a ton of targets and sometimes he doesn't. Kavion Robinson has been pretty impressive, I think, so far. But we haven't seen any of these other receivers step up. Um, Caleb Smith has just kind of been a steady going guy who can get you a couple catches a game, but he doesn't seem like he's a game breaker. We haven't seen any of these younger receivers uh, really earn a role. Evan Fairs, Chenga Hodge, they have not really carved out a role for themselves either. So the three top passing options for Hooker are obviously Turner, Robinson, and Mitchell. And we haven't seen the Hokies go to them consistently and often throughout the first four games, mostly because they've been so good at running the ball. So I do think it's fair to wonder just how good this passing game can be. But 
just based off what we saw last year, I think Hendon can be pretty efficient. Um, and as long as this Hokies defense just flat out can't run the football, which I don't think is the case, then I think Hendon will be just fine. Yeah, and, and for me, it might be time to experiment a little bit. First of all, you fear, you know, my worst possible case scenario is like I mentioned earlier. Wake takes like a 14 nothing lead and the Virginia Tech offense has another slow start, can't score in the first quarter, and you're forced to throw the ball with a wide receiving group that has been, you know, they've been all right. Not a lot of depth there, I would say. You want to run read option all day, but I think that it'll be interesting to see against a younger, less experienced Wake Forest secondary. It might be time to toy around with some, uh, you know, maybe deep balls. Bring back big play Trey if he's available, right? I, I would love for the Hokies to try and work Trey Turner into the offense more. The two best players on this Virginia Tech offense are Khalil Herbert and Trey Turner. That Can we agree on that? Yeah, I mean, James Mitchell's pretty good. But ter- okay, uh, all right. Close. Yeah, I, I think the two most explosive players are Herbert and Turner. And when you have an explosive weapon, you need to force feed him the ball a little bit because he is the guy who can create stuff in space. And we, we, we've seen that with Trey Turner before. He's done it already this year, at least once or twice. So they need to find ways to get Trey Turner the ball when they are throwing. I know Tavion Robinson's good. I know James Mitchell can be a downfield threat. But if you're looking for some home runs, you're looking to open this thing up a little bit in the passing game, I think you can trust Trey Turner to do that. But you've got to get creative and you've got to find ways to get him the football. Um, Something that I absolutely love what Clemson does with Travis Etienne is that they don't just hand him the rock 25 times a game. They do hand him the football, but they also put him out on routes. They run him out on checkdowns. They run screens. They do all sorts of stuff to get their best offensive player, the football. And Trey Turner is one of those guys for the Hokies, and the Hokies do need to find ways to get him the football, even if it's in a non-traditional format. For me, the passing game is more of, with the exception of that scenario I just said, where things get off to a slow start and the Hokies are forced to try to come back into the game. Not as much of a concern, but I think against better teams in the future, like Pitt, like Miami with better run defenses, because you know, not every team is going to be wake Forest with the 14th best run defense. Right. Yeah. And I just want some evidence that this offense can be truly balanced or at least have the potential to with more downfield plays. I mean, and again, Hendon hooker looked great, especially in the first half last week finding windows of opportunity to make completions and balance off that run game. But I I would indeed like to see a little bit more, but in your, in your mind going forward against maybe superior defenses to wake Forest, what would you like to see that? Like the balance of that offense be in terms of run pass ratio, Mm, maybe like 55, 45 or something like that. I mean, running the football still needs to be the focal point and the emphasis for this offense. Cause that's how things are going to open up um, as, as good as Tavion Robinson and James Mitchell and Trey Turner are, they're not elite athletes in the sense that they can create separation consistently on their own. So they, they do require some scheme in order to get those guys separation. I think that's fair. And that's not a knock on these guys. I mean, that's 
this happens with just about every good player, right? That they're you're you can do some things on your own, but you need your coaches to also help build in things into the offensive system in order to get you the football. Is that that fair to say? Yeah, I'd say that's fair to say. Yeah. So while running the football still needs to be an emphasis, um, because that's how you're going to scheme guys open play action is one of the most lethal things in football. We see it in the NFL. We see it in college. Um, when you can run the football consistently and Lord knows Virginia tech is doing that. You can use that to your advantage to throw the football downfield. You can start scheming guys open. You can start running guys out on stretch or outside zone plays and running them out the backside. And next thing you know, they're, they're open or they have a one-on-one matchup against a guy that they can beat easily. These are the kinds of things that the Hokies need to do, but it all starts with running the football and doing that consistently. So, I want to see them continue to do that, but you're right in that this offense does need to start building upon that in order to become more balanced because, yes, they're not going to run for 350, 400 yards every game. They are going to start to see some better teams as the season goes on. Pitt's rush defense is going to be one of the better ones they see all year. Miami's got studs all over the defensive line. We all know what Clemson can do. Um this offense does need to be more balanced, but it, it it starts and finishes with a consistent, effective running game. Let's just talk about keys to the game real quick before we uh, get to our ACC picks. I think the biggest key to the game is just going to be those interior defensive linemen. We talked about this slow mesh RPO and how important it is to not get beaten off the ball if you're those defensive linemen. Now, Wake Forest does not have the offensive line that North Carolina did, but we saw what happened there. They need to be able to maintain, you know, themselves in position during these battles. And if not win them, just not get blown out the ball. Because if you're going to give this running game an opportunity and give these guys big holes, that's how this could be a long day. You got anything? No, you're exactly right. Um, And it really, in my opinion, goes on the front six. I mean, they, they have got to be better at run fits. They've got to tackle. They've got to find ways to get off the field. Um, and that usually starts with slowing the run and putting the the opposing team in third and long situations. So we need to see more from this this front six, uh, definitely the linebackers and and definitely the, definitely the defensive line. They're more talented than the production they're putting out in the field right now. Yeah, and I want to see Rayshard Ashby have his best game of the season. I think that... If that happens, that be could be the time most for thing that would come out of this game. So that's what I would love to see. And obviously, you know, just as in any game with a halfway decent quarterback, don't get beat on the deep ball. Sam Hartman, like we said, he's efficient. He doesn't make mistakes. He's not going to make the mistakes that Djokovic and, of course, Chase Bryce made earlier in the season that allowed that defense to capitalize on some opportunities that maybe they didn't necessarily create themselves on the back end. I, I just want to see some consistent, you know, you don't have to lock them down, but just prevent that big play from happening. Offensively, you got anything? Just run the damn ball. Run the ball, take care of the football, um, run it early and establish a rhythm offensively. You, you already mentioned about how you don't want to see Virginia tech go down 14 to nothing early. I think that that rides heavily on Virginia tech, moving the football on offense 
in the first quarter and on the first possession. And the best way for them to do that thus far is to run it early and run it often. All right, Ricky, let's get to our ACC picks. While you're pulling those up, I want to apologize to all the people who are taking my betting advice. First of all, you shouldn't be doing that. You're being a moron. Second of all, I'm a moron. When it comes to picking these games against the spread, I am I am definitely losing American money, uh, as you put it in our hokey hangover group chat. Um, I have been pretty horrific thus far. <laughs> it's all good, Ricky. It's all good. But yes, to update the folks on the standings, last week I went five and three. That evens me out to 13 and 13 on the year. Mike McDaniel had an even week at four and four. He is now 12 and 14 on the year. Another losing week for Ricky. He was three and five. That puts him at nine and 17 on the year. First pick of the week. We have UVA traveling to the University of Miami. Miami, an 11 and a half point favorite. I don't know the status of Brennan Armstrong. Uh, I'm going to guess that he's out. If that is the case, Miami will cover that 11 and a half point spread. This offense is flat out awful without Brennan Armstrong on the field. I know that I have, have poked fun at uh, Dabo referring to Armstrong as Steve Young, uh, but Brennan Armstrong is far and away better than the other options on the roster. Virginia's offense is, is simply not good uh, with him sidelined. So, I feel pretty confident uh, in Miami covering that 11 and a half point spread. Yeah. Never trust a quarterback. The worst, the number 36. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Game number two of the week, which could be the most lopsided game of the year. Clemson, a 46 point favorite against Syracuse. Oh, look, I, I know we talked in about war machine Clemson and how they're going, but 46 points is a lot. Um, Screw it. Clemson will cover. Um, Syracuse's offense is is, is not good. Um, they're, they only scored like three touchdowns against Liberty, which means they're probably going to score 10 to 14 points tops against Syracuse. And we all saw what Clemson did to Georgia Tech, putting up 73. Uh, they, could, they could put up a pretty big number in this game too. I'm going to take Syracuse. I think that uh, after last week running rough shot, it probably has a lot to do with the fact that Dabo has like something out for Jeff Collins. It's not really a normal thing to just drop 70 points on a conference opponent, but I guess maybe <laughs> his Atlanta uh, recruiting thing, maybe stepping into Dabo's recruiting territory a little bit, rubbed him the wrong way. Maybe something was said. I don't know, but I don't think they'll do that again. Not to Dino Babers. So give me Syracuse. 46 is just way too much. Okay. Now NC state travels to UNC, UNC, a 15 and a half point favorite. I will say Leary will not be playing quarterback for the Wolfpack. It will be Hawkman. Yes. And that is exactly why I'm going to pick Carolina. Uh, I do not trust Bailey Hawkman just based upon what we saw in the Virginia tech game and how bad he was against a not good defense. Um, Carolina's going to be pissed off. They're going to be coming off a pretty pretty bad up, uh, loss to Florida State. Um, so I'll take the Tar Heels to cover that spread. I think that, that one's going to be a blowout. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we saw how bad Hockman is. It's just, it doesn't instill I mean, he was, he was moderately okay in the Wake game, but um, 
their offense mostly relied on the two running backs, Zonovan Knight and Ricky Person. He's he, he just isn't it. Uh, Devin Leary made such a dramatic difference, and that's why NC State's four and one right now, right? I mean, Devin Leary has been one of the best quarterbacks in the country, really, since he took over the starting job um, coming back in. So without him going back to Bailey Hawkman, I think I think the Tar Heels are probably going to win that game by 20 or more. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ricky. It's just it should be a little lopsided. And North Carolina coming out the loss going to have a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. All right. Next game up, Florida State takes on Louisville in Louisville. Louisville, a five-point favorite against the Florida State team coming off a win against UNC. I don't understand how Louisville's the favorite in this game. They, I mean, I understand that they only allowed 12 to Notre Dame, but they have not looked good throughout the season. I think Florida State, I think that win over Carolina might be kind of a rallying point for Mike Norvell here in year one. So I'm going to take Florida State. Um, I think they can win that game outright. Yeah, I agree. I have no idea why Louisville's the favorite in this game. I guess they had a nice performance against Notre Dame, but I mean, Florida State looked good against UNC, and that's another good team. Speaking yeah. of Notre Dame, Notre, oh, and by the way, Mike agrees with us on that. He also picked Florida State. Uh, 3.30 on ABC, Notre Dame takes on Pittsburgh. Notre Dame, a 10.5-point favorite. I just have no idea what Pittsburgh is, man. Like, I, I have no idea what to think of them. Um, Notre Dame's offense cannot be as bad as they were last week against Louisville who is not a good defense. Um, but Notre Dame seems like the, their best way to move the football is on the ground. And, and Kyron Williams has probably been their best offensive player and Pitts, the best part of their defense is supposed to be their run game. Ten and a half points is a lot uh, for a team that just beat a one and four team by five. And it's on the road. I'm going to go with Pitt. I think they can keep it to about a one score game. Um, but I, I do think Notre Dame wins. Uh, I think I'm going to take Pitt to cover the spread here. Notre Dame didn't instill a lot of confidence. I'm not sure if I'm taking Pittsburgh to win. I think this is certainly upset alert here for a fighting Irish team that might be a little overrated at number three, just nothing they've done so far on the field has led me to believe that they're the third best team in the country. And I believe that once the big 10 gets going, one of those yeah, guys, definitely. Really yeah. Notre Dame. I just don't see them as a playoff team, but so yeah, I'll take Pitt to cover and Mike McDaniel agrees. Boston college. We played last week taking on Georgia tech at home. BC, a three point favorite. Um, BC would not have been blown out by the Hokies if they hadn't turned it over five times. I do think BC is going to get that corrected. Georgia Tech was flat out embarrassed last week. Um, I'm going to go with BC. I think they can win by more than three. Yeah, no, I, I certainly agree. I mean, I think Virginia Tech's pretty good. And BC, until midway through the third quarter, was playing a very competitive game with them. Within yeah, three it was points. a four-point game in the third quarter. And they had left points on the board all throughout the first half. I think they'll correct those mistakes. Georgia Tech is not very good. So, yeah, give me BC. For what it's worth, Mike McDaniel has Georgia Tech. And last but not least here, Virginia Tech travels to Wake Forest. VT, a nine-point favorite. Uh, nine, I don't like picking anyone to win by that much usually. 
but looking at the advanced statistics, uh, Wake is has a worse offense than the Hokies. They have a worse defense than the Hokies. I think Virginia Tech is going to continue to get healthier. They're going to continue to get guys back. We've seen that trend thus far. Um, we saw some defensive improvements in the BC game, even though as a as a whole, the unit still didn't play all that great. I do think they can contain Sam Hartman. I think he's a bit limited. I think their offense is, is a, bit, a bit limited. I think that this run game is legit. So um, I think they can keep Carlos Basham from, from causing havoc. He's really the only wake uh, defensive player of note in this game. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Hokies. I think they can cover uh, cover nine, although I certainly wouldn't actually bet on this game <laughs> if I was uh, if I was looking to throw some money somewhere. I do see a possibility of how Wake Forest could win, and that's just by gashing us in the running game of the defensive linemen get blown off the ball and the linebackers are out of place like they were against UNC. Combine that with a couple deep balls, you get down early, and it could be a problem. I don't normally pick teams who I could see losing to w- cover a nine-point spread, but I will this time. I think Virginia Tech just will be able to do enough offensively to pull away in this game. And like you said, the more weeks that these guys are practicing and getting back into game shape and what have you, I think the better this team will get. I I don't think we've seen the best of this team. Now, do I think they're going to rush for 400 yards every game? No, but I think you're going to see a balanced offense with a great running game, obviously a great offensive line and an improved defense from what we saw early in the year for a variety of reasons. Mike McDaniel. Go ahead. Go ahead. Is it Mike McDaniel also picking Virginia Tech, his reasoning? I don't think Wake can stop Virginia Tech's rushing attack, and I believe that the Tech defense will make enough stops to pull away. I was going to say, I, I think we've gotten pretty close to what the best this Tech offense is going gonna, is gonna to put out this year, but I do not think that we have seen the best that this Tech defense is going to be. I certainly hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it hasn't been very good, right? <laughs> Some of these later games could get ugly, just like uh, Carolina. We've seen the best of the best here. All right, Ricky, any final thoughts for the folks at home before we wrap this bad boy up? Um, don't follow my betting advice. Uh, get off of untapped, so maybe we can get Mike to get off of there. Um, try and stay sane. Crazy times right now. A lot going on. Uh, just try and keep your head right. Enjoy some football. Be smart. Um, enjoy a brewski for me on Saturday if you're of legal drinking age. And um, if you're in Blacksburg and you need any pharmacy needs, you all know where to go. <laughs> indeed, indeed. As always, thank you to Jeremy over at Main Street Pharmacy. Uh, yeah, folks, hopefully this game isn't really a stomachache at all. It certainly has potential to be if things go wrong, but I trust the tech defense to be able to hold their own. At least I want to trust the tech defense to be able to hold their and own against a defense. One more thing. One more thing. If anyone can come up with a really good drinking game for the ACC network commercials, I'm all ears. Um, there have been some really funny jokes, some really good memes regarding the tack shaver and the spurtle. So if you've got a really good drinking game idea, please send it to us. We will put it out there. I will engage in it. Um, I will track my progress. I think it could be a really fun way for us to get over uh, the ACC Network's struggling production quality. Yeah, and buy me a spurtle for Christmas, please. Um, 
for you guys again enjoy the game and if you're into classic rock music go ahead and listen to the eagles new live album just released earlier this week i've been totally on it it's really good but yeah other than that subscribe rate review follow us on twitter read ricky's stuff read mike's stuff listen to my radio show if you want download the espn blacksburg app it's every day three to six or every weekday um we'll be back it'll be a good test game you know if the defense gets gashed in the run game we'll probably be a little bit concerned win or lose if they are able to hold their own it'll be an encouraging sign so we'll have a lot to talk about and we will do that next week we'll talk to you guys again on tuesday tuesday and thursday looking to be our new release dates for the remainder of the season of course we are us it will probably change at some point i am andrew alex for mike mcdaniel who is not here and ricky leblue who is we thank you for listening hope you join us again tell your hokey friends about us and as always go hokies